0: You know, it's the weirdest thing because sometimes I step back and try to think of how do I do it? And it's just a real natural love for running. Like when you hear those things about, you know, this person was born to do this sport or this thing. Like I really feel I was born to run.
1: Hey, what's up everybody? It's John here. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fuel in the Pursuit, presented by UCAN. The voice you just heard was that of Marilina Wallace, World Ranked master Sprinter and 2017 World Masters Indoor Gold Medalist. Marilina is just dripping with cool throughout our conversation with her today. I don't know if it's because she's from New York and New Yorkers are just really, really cool or if it's because she's one of the fastest master Sprinters in the world. Either way, the cool factor she brought with her today made for a high-energy conversation that left me and Brian wanting more. If you don't know who Maralina is, let me try to describe who she is in just four words. Community Builder Through Sports Maralina has spent her entire life making the most of what was around her. She didn't allow limitations or a lack of resources to discourage her from going after what she set her sights on. And as an adult, she has found a way to continue this approach to life. She's found a way to continue competing in the sport she loves, track and field, while building a business that helps others improve their own lives through movement. Even though it's understandable how much we all struggle to find time to do what we love or to get involved in our own community, it's not something we have to accept. Marlena's entire life journey is proof that this is true. I feel so inspired to be more involved in my community after learning about Marlenia's story and her company, Equity Design. She's expanded my perspective and opened my eyes to what's possible. This conversation is one I think I needed to hear right now. And after listening to this episode, my guess is you'll feel the same way too. Before we get into this episode with Marlenia, I do want to take a moment to introduce you, Kent, and this podcast to some of our newest listeners. UCAN is a go-to nutrition product of choice for so many elite athletes, but even UCAN knows that true success is about so much more than how you fuel your body. It's also about how you fuel your passions, your motivations, and your mindset. And that's why this podcast will take you inside the minds of Olympians, elite athletes, coaches, and trainers to better understand what drives them to constantly push to achieve new personal bests. We're excited to have you guys on this journey with us, and we hope we can give you a little more fuel as you work towards optimizing your own performances, both in sport and in life. Now, on to the episode with Marlenia.
2: Today's guest is Moylenia Walez, world-ranked master sprinter and gold medalist at the 2017 World Masters Indoor Championships in Daegu, Korea. She's also the founder of Equity Design, aiming to improve fitness and health equity for youth and adults in underserved communities. She's someone who not only excels at her sport, but has taken what she's learned and is giving it back to her community. And we can't wait to speak with her about her journey. Marilenia, thank you for joining us.
0: Thank you for for having me. So, did he wow. do it right?
1: Did he get <laughs> he, your name right, Marilenia? He
0: he did he did. Um, you know, it's it, not only the name, but it's always just so weird hearing like what you did. I'm like, oh snap! I did all that. <laughs>
3: Yeah, but, you did. <laughs>
1: yeah, you know, what's it's it's funny because we were talking before we, we hit the record button here. And I, I got to tell you, and I know I've said this before, but doing a podcast is so cool. I, I feel like Brian and I are so lucky because every person that we get to talk to, I, I get so inspired. Some people hit me a little bit differently than others. And like for me, even just sitting here with you, I'm like, yo, I feel kind of funny because I'm like, man, she's... She's doing so much of what I wish I was doing with my life in the way that you're doing it. It's just really, really cool. So, I listened to some interviews you've already done. You just got a cool story. So, I feel (laughs) like we're so lucky to be able to to tell your story and to share it with others. And to, you know, we want to pick apart like what's motivating you in terms of what you're doing. But this is just so cool, you know, to connect with people like you.
0: Thank you so much. Uh, It's cool to connect with people like you. And hearing your background and your stories, and I was just so excited because I love talking track. Track, well, I yes, I do love talking trash. When oh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> people don't know, but trash people talk trash too. So,
3: oh, you um, have to, and-
0: <laughs> yeah, you do, you do, it's part of the psyche, yeah. Um, but but being able to be here with like minds, I'm excited about that and excited to, yes, share my story. Well, can
2: you tell us a little bit about where you're at right now? And obviously, you're you're talking to us from New York City, but are you in the middle of a, a training cycle?
0: So I am in the middle of a training cycle. The goal this year is World Outdoors Championship that's supposed to take place in Finland. So didn't run indoor, just so many ins and outs in terms of COVID protocols and trying to manage a business. So I was like, mm-hmm. you know what, I'll set my eyes on uh, world championships and just start the cycle, but continuing to stay in shape and just excited to literally be back on track.
1: I was going to bring this up now just because we're talking about you know running and, and what you're training for right now. How the heck have you continued to run over the years while building this amazing business that we're going to talk about, Equity Design? How have you been able to balance the two and still pursue goals.
0: You know, it's the weirdest thing because sometimes I step back and try to think of how do I do it? And it's just a real natural love for running. Like when you hear those things about, you know, this person was born to do this sport or this thing, like I really feel I was born to run. And I remember whether it was school, getting my master's or advanced degrees, I would always say I need to carve out three hours to train, whether that's three hours. And, and I even put it in my contracts as I'm working. So three hours, whether it's in the morning, three hours to just get off a little bit earlier. I just feel like it just makes me more of a productive person.
2: So I like to talk about a conversation I had a long time ago with someone that John introduced me to. His name is Tony Reed. And I bring up something he said a lot when we talk, and. In, he is somebody who's done marathons in all seven continents. He's done all 50 states. He's an older man, but he just keeps running and he picks these big goals like, to do like a marathon in all 50 states, for example. And he said something to us in a conversation that having a big dream or having a big thing that you're pursuing outside of work m- makes you better at your work. And it was a different twist on why you need to get out and leave work and go pursue something that's important, right? And he really, really believes strongly that it can and should make you a better worker to have a big dream or goal that you're pursuing. And I'm curious if that resonates with you or if, if you've seen that in your own experience.
0: You know, the, the first part is the goal. Like, I'm so goal-oriented it's, it's like and competitive, you know? So it's like, okay, what am I working towards? Um, And I think one of the things is as whatever job that I'm doing or whatever career that I'm in, it's interesting because I'm like, I I sit there and think about track while I'm doing the work, but I'm Mm -hmm. more productive as I'm working. So I'm so excited to get to three o'clock so I could go out, jump on the train and and get to track practice or get up early in the morning. I don't know. It just... It's a different type of pain, a <laughs> physical pain that <laughs> that you that you feel and you endure. And I literally once I'm done with practice, I'll jump right back on the computer, I'll answer all of the emails like it's it's just this natural fuel that occurs.
1: Where does the the goal-oriented side of you come from?
0: A part of it is I just identified a while ago in terms of just trauma. So, I I grew up happy, had a great childhood, but didn't have access to a lot of resources. Mm -hmm. And I just, I just made this commitment to myself that like, I'm going to get out of this situation. It wasn't a bad situation. And I had access to parks. I had access, but I, I just never had access to the things that I needed that I felt would make me successful as a kid. Yeah. And so. It would always be about what am I going to work towards, whether it's good grades, whether it's, I'm just going to get faster. What do I need to get faster? What do I need to get stronger? It's, it was just innate. And I was fortunate enough to have my mom and my dad to endure all of the big dreams and goals that I had set for myself. <laughs> so you I sure love how you say it? they had
1: to endure it. <laughs> <Endure>
2: they <it>, did yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Now, we put our parents through a lot when we have big goals and big dreams. I remember when I told my parents I announced in 1996, I was like, I'm going to be an Olympian and track and field. My mom and dad are going to be like, you don't even run. What are you talking about? <laughs> but after watching Michael Johnson, it, we talked about mm-hmm. the 400 before we got on the recording here, and we, we talked about the 400 meters, but watching Michael Johnson, I said, I, I want to do that. I want to do exactly what he's doing. And I, I think that my, my parents knew, and I heard you mention this before in a, in a previous interview that when you put your mind to something, that's it. You're all in. <laughs> and I was the same way. So my parents knew. They're like, oh God, he's going to hes going to die trying to make this dream come true. And he'll never give up. He'll never give up. So I know I put my parents through a lot. So I just love hearing you say that because I can totally <laughs> relate to. They really are enduring <laughs> these big dreams and goals that we have, but you know, it's worth it. 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 They know it's worth it. So keeps us out of trouble.
0: And I think that's what it was. I was, you know, what I call now mischievous, (laughs) mischievous. (laughs) I I like to say curious, you know, um, wonderings, but I just had a lot of energy. I was the kid in class that would finish their work and we just start talking and bothering everybody else. And Asking them, why was it taking them so long to do the work? This work is easy. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Mm. And so I would get in trouble, go to the principal's office. And I think my mother found that she had to figure out a way to get all of this energy out. So she would say, let's see how fast you can run up and down the hill. Let's see if you could beat me to the corner. How many times can you get there, run back to me and tag me? Like all of these little (laughs) things you know, to, to tire me out, but yeah, it was definitely them enduring.
1: Well, I, I want to go back to this one thing though, because when I asked you where does being goal oriented come from, I also was thinking about, you know, you talking about making do with like what's around you and this drive and this hustle that you had. And that so I guess a lot of your teammates you, you had when you guys were selling candy to raise money. For trips and stuff like that, I think that our circumstances, you know, even if they're not necessarily ideal, they do shape who we are, good or bad, whatever they are. Our circumstances are doing that, and I love that you've actually been able to identify, in some way, shape, or form, how your circumstances, even though they weren't bad, you're like, hmm, I I, I feel like there's more out there for me, and I'm gonna find a way to get to a different place, you know, in. You'd had this drive within you that was sparked by your circumstances. I don't know if you want to speak to that or not, but I just feel like that's pretty amazing, you know?
0: Thank you. As soon as you said that in terms of selling candy, it it was funny because, it, it was because there was this end goal. Like, okay, this is what I got to do to get here. I'm going to do it, yeah. right? And so just the thought of going on New York City subway train and going from car to car and... You know, and we had our, our jackets on, just looking fly and like, hey, we, we can run. Then there was no internet. I, I try not to yeah. date myself. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know, just the idea of I was okay with that because this is what I needed to do so that I, I always saw the good picture. So just like you, John, I was watching TV, same thing, and I was like, I'm gonna go there. Yeah, I first need to get out of high school, but I'm going to go to college. Even the college I selected in HBCU, uh, Alabama A&M University, it was the first HBCU to um, win an NCAA Division II title. And mm-hmm. I remember seeing them in a magazine stand, and I was like, I had no clue. I, I think I was supposed to go to Temple and had a, a chance to go to uh, University of North Carolina. And I was like, no, I want to go there. They produce winners, not to say the other schools did, but it was something about seeing they look like me. They came from communities like me. And I was like, Alabama, New York City. My mom thought I was crazy, but I was like, no, I want to go there. And she knew not to stop me. We're going to Alabama.
1: That's amazing. What was Alabama like?
0: Yo. (laughs) (laughs) It was was definitely a culture shock. It was. I mean in New York everything moves quickly. If you if you're moving quickly, you might be moving slow. But in Alabama it was just yeah, it was it was definitely a culture shock. It was a culture shock in terms of just like, you know, in New York City you had any and every single culture at your fingertips. Right? right? You had access to transportation, access to bookstores, restaurants, it, I had to find a new way to hustle. I would be like, "Listen, I need to go to the store," and I would walk. There was no sidewalks, but I would be on the side of the road. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, so it, it was definitely a culture shock. But I also learned to appreciate slowing down.
1: Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, I think that's powerful because when I when I think about. Where my family's from, they're from the Caribbean, from the Cayman Islands. My parents actually relocated from Southern California to South Florida. Going out there, going back home, everything is slow, you know? And Mm -hmm. I'm always in this rush. I'm like, hey, uh, you know, we got to go do this. We got to be this way. My aunts, uncles, my cousins be like, be easy, slow down, (laughs) relax, mom. And I'm like, relax. No, I got to do stuff. They're like, nah, be easy. You know, and it's kind of it's kind of cool. I mean, I'm assuming that must have had some kind of an influence, um, mixing what the cultural experiences from New York with Alabama and where you're at today and how you look at life. Can you draw some from what your experiences were in Alabama to how it's influenced even the way you are today?
0: You know, my mom would talk a lot about the the civil rights movement and. Mm you know, what it was like growing up in, uh, she's from Virginia, and then they moved to New York City, and what that was like, and segregation, and what she had to experience. And so going down there and actually seeing where, you know, um, going to, we went to Montgomery, we went to Birmingham, all of these places, as they would say, the the birth of the civil rights movement, and it was like, wow, it, it just really hits you, right? Mm-hmm. So having that and and then also looking at, I'm at an HBCU mm-hmm. and I'm kicking ass. So when we would show up, our coach would always remind us how, just how difficult it was for him. And the fact that he took this job and specifically decided that he wanted to coach women because he knew how difficult it was, not just on the track, but off the track. And so, you know, he would say to us you're going to win. And so we would be with these big SEC schools, you know, C-Ray relays, University of Alabama relays, Florida relays, and we'd be like, what? But once we, we got our mind right and and we were able to go out there and and just do damage. And mm-hmm. and again, it's it's just something about being, in all transparency, that they didn't expect it. Yeah. You know, we... Even at, once again, I, you know, my mom was like, Yo, you always you pick the places where you don't have the resources. So at Alabama A&M, there was just an outdoor track. There was no indoor track. There was no high-class facility. We had to make do with what we had, and we killed it. <laughs> you,
2: know, you know what stands out to me right now is some of the language you use is very powerful language. You have a very, you know, just your presence around, and the way you describe it, it makes me feel like you were always on, the uh taking the first step or you are always in trying to you know in control of the situation i i have that impression of you as an athlete in alabama and i'm wondering if that's your kind of approach to life as well is take control and sort of i don't know like uh push forward with what needs to get done
0: yeah you know the first thing when you said that i i am a get done type of person tell me the problem and let's figure out how to solve it and then we can process it later That if there's a problem, figuring out how to solve it. If, you know, if it's track related and I'm breaking down the last hundred meters, like, how do we fix it? You know, if there's something in the community, if there's a gap, how do we close it? Who are the key people that I need to talk to? And just go in, not blazing. All right, sometimes (laughs) blazing. Go in in because I want to get it done.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I can hear there's a confidence, there's a positivity, there's a, like I said, a power. The word powerful is what came to mind. Go ahead, John, what were you going to say?
1: Well, I I mean, speaking of that, obviously somebody trying to get stuff done. Let's talk about equity design a little bit, if you don't mind, Brian. I'd love to dive into that. And obviously, I'd love some context. How did you get to, uh, you know, launching this company? And let's talk about the motivation behind it.
0: So, I was the executive director of Fit for Life NYC for a little over seven years. And so, we were a social enterprise. And like all good businesses that are doing good things, we got spotted by another organization and we got acquired. I was a part of the acquisition. And just like with some acquisitions, you know, there's a contract period. And so, when I was told that there would be a transition, I remember I was in Brooklyn and you know, I was about to visit one of our schools and there was a Starbucks and I sat down in the Starbucks and I got out my last working credit card and I said, I'm going to open an LLC. Mm. And I knew about business structures because I worked with the small business association. So I understood what I had a vision for what I wanted at that moment. And I acted upon it. And I loved what I did at Fit for Life. I loved the youth, the work that we did with youth development and non traditional spaces and introducing communities of color to non traditional sports. But there was something missing. And what was missing was all these great programs, but how do I know I'm making an impact? How do I know our programs are making an impact? So the more research I did and the more discovery, I realized that none of these programs directly associate with the health disparities that exist in those communities. So we run, you know, a fitness clinic. That's great. But how many of those people that are attending your fitness clinic have pre-existing conditions, have insurance, and are consistently seeing a doctor to monitor their conditions? Mm. And so there was little to none. So again, just taking this method of stepping back and designing and really understanding the problem before we come up with a solution. And we we were talking earlier about like the athlete's mindset, right? We approach the 400 meter or any race with a plan, right? You don't just walk today. I'm going to do the mile. Like, well, what is that going to look like? How are you going to take each quarter? How are you going to start? So, I take that approach in how I run the business and making sure that I'm thoughtful and I'm considerate of other people's time, space and energy before I say this is the solution that we're going to come up with.
1: It's really holistic. I mean, you're developing, you know, the way that you're dissecting it, you're developing a, you know, a system or trying to develop a system because ultimately it's usually a lot of problems that that we see today, they're systemic and and that we need to address the system. And a lot of times what's happening is only one part of a problem, especially when we talk about issues in our communities. It's just one thing being solved, not the whole thing being addressed. So the problem continues to persist. The way that you're talking about it, you know, and this is the way we can look at anything in life, doing one thing to kind of get better at something, but addressing the whole problem, i.e. like having a lifestyle versus just working out sometimes, that's the difference you know, and if you have a lifestyle, it's hard to get out of shape. If you try to just do a diet, that's a fad that usually comes and goes. And so you're talking about, you know, lifestyle, you're talking about culture, you're talking about, you know, addressing the system. And that's extremely powerful, because that's the only way not only can change happen, but actually last, you know, and then we see evolutions, we think things change and improve over time. You know, so that's. That's really cool. I mean, how's it going for you guys? And how long have you guys been uh, in business?
0: So we started up in 2019 um, mm-hmm. Starbucks um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, So and then we started to kind of get our footing and everything and then the, the pandemic. But for us, it was taking this opportunity to do more discovery. So we talk mm-hmm. with teachers, we talk with leadership, we talk with community members. And we were finding out, like, because at first I was like, all right, I'm gonna focus on youth development. But I had it all wrong. It's not the youth, the kids are all right, it's the adults. And so what we found was that uh, a lot of the adults did not have a healthy relationship with physical activity, they didn't have Mm -hmm. a healthy relationship with play, with fitness. So when we did a demographics and a survey focus group for women, It was, well, I have to work out. I I had a child, I'm trying to lose the weight, I have to work out. My doctor prescribed it for me. I don't know what to do, but I have to do it. You know, our PE teacher or our gym teacher told me that I could sit out and gave me a pass. Whereas for the men that we surveyed, the demographic, it was, I was trying to oppress this girl (laughs) <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> and, and I wanted to be stronger or my parents just automatically put me into sports. Not one of the females we surveyed, their parents, they said my parents just automatically put me into sports. It was a rite of passage for me. And the mm. the other one, when we surveyed men, it was, you know, because I was being bullied and I wanted to make sure that I was strong enough to defend myself.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So it's interesting. I was like, oh, we, was, we got this all wrong. <laughs> scratch. You know, we got to focus. like that DJ, right? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That. I like that. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it was, it was realizing that, all right, how can we take steps back and really enhance a youth's learning experience with physical activity by working with the adults?
2: Interesting. So you find yourself working a lot with the teachers themselves in schools or, or just adults in the community? Are, who exactly is your... Typical sort of group that you're working with?
0: So, what we found is working with teachers, that's our dominant group. So, teachers, school leadership. So, I have two trackers, all right. So, nice. Charm, yeah. my <laughs> Fitbit, this one is it actually tracks the teachers and the staff at one of the public schools in the Bronx that we work with. And so, through a, a partnership with ON, what we did was we put together and said, well, what type of what's our outcome? What's our impact goal? And so they came up with, you know what, as a school, the teachers and our staff, we can walk 10,000 miles together. And so we're like, okay, great. And so now it's a matter of extracting the data and looking at, you know, their physical activity, not on weekends, not when they jump on their Peloton, but during the school day. So we're actually mm. getting the data that we need so that we can make sure that we're designing the right programs. And we're there with them every single Friday. We put together step challenges for them. They're like, Ms. Walad, you see my steps? I said, I see your steps. So it's- <laughs>
2: That's great.
0: It's, it's so great how we're using technology to be able to impact the health of these teachers.
1: I, I'm just blown away by, I get goosebumps when you just start talking about like the, the connection and tracking and going out there every Friday and, and connecting with the teachers and stuff. One of the questions I have is like, what's the buy-in? I mean, but it sounds like when you introduce this systematic approach, this concept, um, this program that people are actually buying into it, but what's the what's the energy like? What are the teachers' response when they get what you're trying to do?
0: So at first, and and this is why, you know, uh, one of our core values is to lead with empathy, right? Mm. Because at, at first understanding that we're still in a pandemic and, you know, teachers are coming back to the unknown, but they know that they love working with kids. And so it was balancing that love with understanding that there has to be health solutions to this health pandemic. And so If we can get teachers to understand that you're a part of the solution, right? Just as as little as walking can be impactful. So in the beginning, it was a little tough, but when we started saying, okay, what if we threw, we had to throw things in, right? Constantly pivot. What if we threw in an experience? And so they Mm -hmm. were like, okay. And we took a group of Bronx teachers and we did a run of the Empire State Building Mm. and It was so emotional because they didn't think they could do it. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, they were like, We're going to tell our students. We're going to tell them that they can do anything that they want to do. You don't have to have these huge muscles and and everything. Just go out and do it. And so the biggest thing is, is that we showed up. Yeah. You know, a teacher came up to me and they were like, These programs, they come in, they drop it on us. And then they leave and then they come back in June and they're like, hey, how's it going? We show up. We have to figure out how to earn their trust, how to earn their respect. And and here we are today.
2: You know, it's the power of community. Yeah. And honestly, one of the things I think you're doing is you're changing the teachers' expectations about themselves. And, Mm. you know, one of the biggest indicators of how successful a teacher is going to be with their students, how much their students are going to learn is, is the expectation that the teacher has of the students. If they go in expecting the students to excel and to learn and to to be great, they often outperform, you know, a teacher who's who might not have that approach from the beginning. But it's really hard to do that if you are not like feeling good about yourself, if you're not really feeling that you ha- can have high expectations about yourself, right? Like if you're Yes. And, and I think, honestly, I really think there's, a, there's a, a really cool effect that you're probably creating in there and that these teachers are now starting to think of themselves differently. And I, I can't imagine that they don't look at their students and think about them
0: differently too. And to your point, you know, Brian, our team showed them how to do superheroes in the classroom, right? So call out a superhero and just, just have them do the superhero right there so that they can expend stress, energy, whatever it is that they're feeling at the moment. And the fact that they see their teachers getting silly, the fact that their teachers are like, get up, we're going to go for a walk because I need to get my steps in before Miss Wallace comes in here <laughs> <and checks." laughs> because I, I, I can I can see it, you know, on our phone. And they started to become competitive with each other. We went from having 10 teachers engaged to now 40 teachers engaged. They inspire me, and I'm not going to lie to you. Teachers in general, to be able to go in and start a program, it's tough. Yeah. Your New York City teachers, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's another level of, of tough. So, to be able to go in there and for them to trust me, to trust what I have to say and what I'm trying to do, respect goes out to them. I, I think
1: what's really cool is the byproduct of the work that you're doing too, because you're talking about using movement to close the, the disparity between the health and wealth disparity in underserved communities. But at the same time, you know, what's really cool about sport, and we all, all of us can, all three of us can re- relate to this, is that being physically active gives you confidence. And a lot of times that confidence translates into good grades and Performing in other, performing better in other areas of our lives. Are, are you hearing anything along those lines? Is, in terms of that being a byproduct in these schools? In terms of how the kids are performing in the classroom.
0: So that's a good point. And there's a lot of data that says this is what we should do, right? Uh-huh. But there's no data that actually says this is what we did based off of that data, and here are the results. So that's actually see. It's almost like you in my head, right? <laughs> <laughs> of, 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 um, <laughs> so, our idea is that we want to have a sustainability model. And so, some people will say, well, you know, you that's going to like, you're going to run yourself out of business. Yeah. No. The idea is, right, once equity design steps back, you will be able to sustain this. So, putting the metric of 10,000 miles, right, that's year one. Year two, we're focusing on the students we're going to up that metric because now the kids are going to be involved. And yeah. then in year three, we're going to up the metric even more because now the parents are going to be involved. So again, it's it in year two, it would allow us to see, okay, now that we got buy-in from the teachers, how can we take that enhanced learning through physical activity by engaging more than just their PE class? Because physical activity and health is more than just PE.
1: Yeah. It's an evolution. This is such a fascinating conversation to me. I feel like what's so cool about what you guys are doing, the work that your company's doing, is I don't think it's, it's not even just saying something that there's a problem that needs to be solved. There's an opportunity to evolve. I think that's maybe even a better way to look at it because we see that there's, there's things that could be done better. And when you make it better, things obviously are going to improve. And I think that these schools, they're probably already really good and they could be a lot better though and when you add this stuff in all of a sudden this school that is already in place it has all the stuff that it has it's like well, let's sprinkle in some of this let's sprinkle in some of that and then let's see what happens because of it and then all of a sudden the culture and everything else starts to change at these schools and I think that that's really what's missing is that everybody's stuck in doing things one way and they don't know what's possible and you're saying oh no all that stuff you're doing that's fine But don't think that that's the only things that you guys have to do or that that's the only way. You could actually squeeze in some of this other stuff. And now the teachers are going, oh, wait, I got to get my steps in. Oh, wait, I can do these things (laughs) and still teach these kids and probably see them do even better in my class. It's just a matter of showing people what's possible. And you guys are, that's what you guys are doing. I think that's the thing that I think is really, really exciting about it.
0: You know, when you you say that, it's the other part of that is so many People expect these communities to fail. And that's the part yeah. that really gets me. And I remember one of our coordinators, she was like, Ms. Wallace, you, you're teaching them how to win. And I didn't think about it at the time. And shout out wow. to Brittany for for saying that. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is what they say about you, right? Because, you know, growing up, that's what they said about me. You know, the the principals would would go to my mom and say, Ah, you know, she's she's just too active, she has behavioral this and this and that, and I'm not gonna make it, or get her running shoes because she's going to public school and she's gonna need them. You know, so it's just like, (laughs) Damn, you know, okay, all right. You you don't you don't see what I see and feel. And so being able to go to a, a, a group of teachers Build that trust, foster the relationships. And yo, it is hard. It is mm-hmm. there's some days where we're just like one teacher shows up and you're like, damn. But then as mm-hmm. I'm about to leave, you know, a group of teachers, be like, Oh my god, we missed it. We love when you guys come here. you be like, All right, universe, I see what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But- <laughs> How much yeah. does your personal ongoing pursuit of excellence on the track, how much do you use that? Or do you share that with the, the people you're working with?
0: It's funny because I was told I don't share it enough. I don't share who I am and and what I've accomplished. And I just, I, I'm just the type of person that's just like, I'm going to show you what I do. I'm I'm going to prove to you, right? And I'm going to put the work in right? Because the way I see it is, yes, it's an achievement and I'm not going to take anything from the hard work that came with it, but I I did it, right? I, That was done. We're talking about right now. We're talking about right in this moment. What can you do now? What can you make possible? And so I, I look at, you know, the balancing that excellence and then making sure like it's how does it transfer into my workspace? And yeah, if you if you talk to those that worked with me, they'll say like, yeah, she she will come through the door like, all right, what are we doing today?
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, you I, need I, that. I, I wanna Pick your brain just really briefly about how you do it today, because I think a lot of our listeners are probably in a similar boat. They have full-time jobs, they're working, but they've got some they've got the big goals that they're pursuing, right? So you, my understanding is that you do your training early in the morning, late in the evening, you know, you whatever, whatever makes sense, right? But h- how do you go about structuring your day? And do you have any sort of strategies you use that help to make sure that you that you're able to train the way you want to train?
0: I think the first step is the goal. Working towards a a goal and, you know, the wiser that I've gotten, (laughs) I realized that goals doesn't always have to be this metric in terms of, I want to win the 400 meters or I want to hit this time. It could be, I just want to be healthier, right? And so I think for me, it starts with the goal and then it's the steps in between. So what do I need to do, Right. I understand that I need to make a living. I understand that meeting, they're not going to say, well, Moyalanga needs to practice at this time. So, you know, I don't have it like that. I don't have it like that. You know, so I think it's just a matter of every day, looking at my schedule and checking in with with how I feel, right? It could be, you know what? I need to devote more time and energy to this. So it might be just going outside, going to the park and doing a fart lick and not going on the track. And the other factor is I have an awesome group of friends and teammates that really hold me accountable and I hold them accountable. As a matter of fact, you know, I have a check in with a friend later cause she's about to compete at Monmouth University. And so it's just like, all right, what's your practice looking like this week? Well, I got this meeting right here. I'm gonna see if my secretary can move this meeting right here and just make it happen because running makes us happy. And who doesn't want to be happy?
1: I want to be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Marlena, I like what you're saying as far as some of the things that you're using to kind of keep going. Can we just touch base uh, one more time about specifically about like giving back to the community and and how that can also be uh, a source of fuel to motivate people to take care of themselves?
0: Yeah. So I had a meeting earlier today and it's a part of a, a grant with the Department of Health in New York State and collaborating with an organization where our goal is, we identify 25 schools, but our goal is to work with 10 schools for the remaining of the school year and really do action planning and implementation strategies based off their capacity and their sustainability. And I was on that call and I was like, yo, we're about to impact, right? Let's let's do the numbers. 10 schools, right? On average, you have about like 100 to 120 um, staff members. And then you have about 300 to 400 students, close to 5,000 people in this short amount of time. And so when we put it in that perspective, that gets me hype, right? So that yeah. that, and so, but the other part of that means I need to make sure I sleep. I need to make sure I eat. I need to make sure that I'm up on my game, right? Because people are going to be looking to me and and my team for solutions. So it's managing my energy, managing my expectations, managing my team's energy, and coming up with the best possible solutions that I know that each of these schools can carry out. So it's like, if you're a miler and your best time is 4.15, I'm not going to go to you and say, all right, today you're going to hit 4.07. Like, whoa, I just skipped four. Like, put it within range so the athlete, or in this case, the community or the school or the organization feels like this is reachable. Mm-hmm. And that is is really what fuels me, the, just the thought that I'm impacting the lives of all of these communities. It gets you up in the
1: morning, it seems like, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, and and it goes back to the the thing I was saying before, the fact that you have this goal, some of it's athletic, some of it is the impact you want to have on the community. It forces you to rethink how you do things. It makes you better at everything you're doing, because it's giving some perspective to it. And and you're starting to see, I love that you mentioned like you got to sleep, because it's such a simple thing. It's not It's not, I need to sleep because I'm trying to become a world master's champion. It's, I need to sleep because I need to show up tomorrow and do my job as good as I can do it to have the impact I want to have. And I think sometimes it's easy to say, I need to sleep because I've got to train tomorrow, but you know, it affects everything we do. And it stood out to me when you said showing up every day is the key to the success you're going to have in sports, but it's, isn't it? It's kind of the same It's showing up is the the key to the success you're going to have in anything you're doing, right? Yeah. (laughs) Showing
0: up is half the battle.
2: Yeah.
0: How
1: could we support what you're doing, what you guys are doing at Equity Design?
0: One of the initiatives that is ongoing is working with corporate sponsors and businesses, right? So that Mm -hmm. they can help us with sustainable solutions. So an example is one school said, oh, we have kids that need sneakers. So being able to tap into the resource, how can we get the kids sneakers? And then also looking at how can we make this sustainable? So how can we work with a local business to be able to say, we're going to support this elementary school or this middle school team for X amount of years? So, right, it's not just a a one-off, it's how can we develop the relationships so that we can cultivate and make sure that all community members have access to the resources to be healthy so corporate sponsors being able to talk with businesses and really really look at because i I can't do this alone Mm -hmm. you know as as much as track and field is an individual sport can't do it alone so any support or any ideas definitely open to it
2: awesome I'm very inspired by what you're doing, and I and I love that you've got a focus on the community and the schools, and I love that the focus is on affecting the adults first. For some reason, I think that's it. It I feel like that might be one of the keys that I think a lot of a lot of groups are missing in trying to help the lives of kids, is focusing on the adults who are most present in their lives as the teachers and the community leaders. and And so, I wanted to make sure I said that before we sign off because I felt like I want to share that you've inspired me in in the work that you're doing we always end the podcast with the same question. And that's like, we name this podcast Fueling the Pursuit. And obviously, you are pursuing excellence on the track and in your community. Do you have any final piece of advice you'd like to give our audience to help fuel the mindset they need to excel in their lives?
0: It was a while ago, I was reading this book called Being Bold. And in the first couple of pages, it said, fear means go. And at first, I was like, oh, you know, but if we think about all of the things that are holding us back, right, it's because of fear, fear of rejection, fear I can't do it. And so it's, don't get me wrong, it's tough, right, to to implement. But fear means go. If if this is, now I'm going to put a disclaimer. I don't want someone contacting me and be like, well, hey, <laughs> but just think about <laughs> all of the things <laughs> That are within reach, right? Yep. And, and, and it starts with an idea. And then from there, it's finding the resources and support and really taking it from there and see like, oh, I sound so simple. But think about all of the things that kept you from being your best self, right? Yeah. And and just just go, what's, what's the worst that someone could say to you? Like, nah, on to the next person. And again, I, I'm still working on that myself. But it's, it's something that I'm realizing, like fear means go, because if not, it will, the fear will paralyze you. Yeah, I love it.
1: Thank you so much, Marlene. This has been such a, a, a pleasure connecting with you and learning more about your journey and what you guys are doing at Equity Design. Clearly, with all the questions I have for you, I, I'm excited. I get it. I, I hope others look into it, learn from it and do you see this being something that ho- hopefully other communities will replicate? Is that the end goal really quick?
0: So, yes, that's the okay. end goal. So it's it's not just New York City. Our, our goal is to be able to expand and yeah. provide solutions throughout all underserved communities.
1: Well, let's learn from you. You're doing a great job. You get, tell your team. We say keep up the great work. And thank you so much for connecting with Brian and I and the team here at UCAN. And this has been just a fantastic conversation. I absolutely have enjoyed it. So thanks so much, Marlena.
0: And thank you, Brian, and thank you, John, as well.
1: Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Fueling the Pursuit presented by UCAN. For both athletes and active people, controlling blood sugar is the key to optimizing focus, performance, and recovery. Thankfully, UCAN has developed a patented ingredient known as Superstarch to help deliver long lasting energy while stabilizing blood sugar levels. So to properly fuel your pursuit, both with the right nutrition and with the right food for thought, make sure to visit UCAN.co forward slash podcast to subscribe to our podcast show, to see our current lineup of upcoming guests, and of course, to learn more about UCAN's amazing products. And please continue to listen to our bonus conversation with Marilena about how she uses UCAN to optimize her training and competition results.
0: I, I was thinking about just a step out of like what fuels, and I and John, when you said like I, I want to be an Olympian, I remember definitely saying that that same thing as well. Yeah. But I think it's interesting how the the path and what happens, and it starts with a goal, and then there's just all of these things in between, and you know, it for me it sucked not not being an Olympian and yeah working so hard. Right. But then what I realized was, wait, I wasn't maybe that just wasn't my path right then and there. And yeah. the people that I was training with, maybe that was my path that I was supposed to be there for them. Yeah. And then once they became the Olympian, like, it was weird Then I became this world champion. Yeah. OK. Yeah. So it's it's, it's so weird how things work out.
1: I I, I feel you on that. Like Just really quickly, it's funny because I made it as an alternate. So I was on the team. Mm -hmm. I had the gear. I was at the training center in in Chula Vista, San Diego, waiting to see if anybody did get hurt, hoping nobody did because I knew how hard it was to make the damn team. So I'm like, the last thing I wanted was somebody to be injured. I'm like, and those three guys that made the team – in front of me, I'm like, no, those are my brothers, man. I'm like, mm-hmm. I want them to be healthy and and to have the shot that they earned. You know, they were they were the you know, first three finishers and in, in the trials. But I yeah, it's funny looking back at it, going, Gosh, twelve years and to get to that one moment, you know, I was twenty six, yep. I started at fourteen and to be coming down the the home stretch in literally zero point seven four seconds. That's yeah. how close I was. And and to look back and say, well, what's the twelve years of waste? And it took a few years to figure out, man, I'm the luckiest person in the world to have chased yeah. something and to have done it. And now I always tell kids because I try to speak at schools all the time. And I want to learn from the way that you designed you guys' um your business in the program because I'm going to schools and I'm talking about dreams and goals and trying to develop this goals program with one of these high schools I've been going to for years. And they really like the idea of augmenting the education with a program specifically that talks about goals and dreams and and incorporating that into the schooling because they don't talk about goals and dreams. They just talk about getting good grades and trying to do well in in, in sports and seeing where that takes them. But there's no real direction, no real guidance. So honestly, what you guys are doing is powerful. But I tell them all, I said, without the dream, you know, you don't really have any direction, but because of the dream, even if it doesn't come true, if you chase it, you're going to have experiences in life that you otherwise would miss out on. And I said, and that's the gold. That's the goal. And the gold is, is the journey all these experiences. I got to travel around the world for free, for free because of running and chasing the Olympic dream. And I said, gosh, I'm a better person then I I think I otherwise would be had I not chased that dream. So ultimately, as I get older, I just, you know, uh, Brian and I both recently just celebrated our a uh, birthday. You know, I might turn 40 on February 9th. And I said, gosh, I was so excited to turn 40 because I'm starting to finally get it. You yeah. know, like it's this is what an amazing life, you know, yeah. uh, I've been been able to live and all the things that didn't work out, I'm actually okay with it, you know. Yeah. Because I'm trying and learning, and that's really what's great is that if you sit there and never do anything, that's where I feel sad for people because I'm like, it's not whether or not it works out. You just got to go for it and live your life. Don't just survive it, but live it. And that's what you're teaching people to do.
0: Yes, sir. That serves a toast right there. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) Well, (laughs) more than you...
2: I want to ask you a couple of questions about UCAN. and uh, first one really simply. How have UCAN products helped you achieve your potential, either in training or in racing?
0: So what I've learned through UCAN and, and how it's uh, helped me achieve, especially uh, on the track, is that you know prior to that I, I was just kind of just taking whatever and, and not really being thoughtful and not to say what I ate and drunk whatever, but just being more intentional about. What type of fuel am I putting in my body right before, you know, my training and right after my training? And so when I was introduced to UCAN, it was actually because I was trying to get them on board for an event that we were doing for teachers. And what I realized was that the teachers were going all day and there were no water. They would have water, but I was like, it it just can't be water. So mm-hmm. had a good conversation with Katie and that's how I was introduced to UCAM. And then I joined their ambassadors team and I started reading like, wait, I, I'm getting up really super early to go practice. I'm not putting in because you know, you, you know, you want to feel light, right? Yes, and exactly. so you can with the, the super starch and being able to take it 45 minutes before I do my warm up. I don't feel it and I can literally feel the fuel, right? I don't feel heavy, but at the same time, I'm not dehydrated. So I, I mix their fuel so that it allows, gives me the right amount of energy I need for each of those workouts. So that's the part. And loved it ever since i'll sing it from the mountaintop <laughs>
2: <laughs> i love it well have um if, if someone else if you knew someone was uh considering using Ucan, what advice would you give them for getting started
0: I think the, the first one is to be able to look at what are they currently taking in since you can i don't do gatorade anymore right and so i would first find out what is it that you need And that's what I usually ask. And it's like, oh, you know, I I need hydration or I, you know, after working till five, six o'clock, I have to practice. And I always say like, this is the right amount of fuel to be able to get you through the workout. There is no spike. You know, there is no like ingredients that you can't, that kills me ingredients that you can't spell or read, or you gotta be like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> I want to make sure, you know, water doesn't catch me. So you typing in all the ingredients you can, it's just pure, clean energy. So getting them started first with the hydration and then from there, having them go into the, the pre-workout and then now that they have like the gels,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Everybody loves the
1: gels, man. Yes. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yes. The gels have really been, because again, uh, the other part with the gels is you'll take the gel and like you, your stomach is is just not feeling right (laughs) sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so there's, in terms of like just digesting it, you, you don't get that like cramp, empty feeling like the air bubbles when you take some of those other gels.
2: You know, when I was really training competitively, I kind of made a rule for myself, like don't eat anything, even gel or anything with any kind of solid consistency. It would just be liquids up to like two hours before I worked out. And it was about wanting to feel light. And I would get side stitches. Mm -hmm. I'd get like cramps and I'd get other GI issues when I'm trying to work hard because I got something digesting in my system. And being able to put something in my system closer to the workout that doesn't have that effect on me, that's the kind of thing that has a big impact on the way I feel when I work out.
0: Yeah. And it's, it's funny because so like right before, let's say a, a world championship. So, you, you know, especially if it's outdoors, you got to stay there for almost two weeks.
3: Yep. <laughs> so yeah,
0: You're running round. So literally, especially indoor season, the, the rounds of the 400 can sometimes be in one day. And so even though there's like this, you know, five, six hour window, I still get anxiety and I, and I can't eat. So I literally I look at my my race schedule and then I pack the number of new cans I need. And it's, it's one pack. So the the pre-race fuel, the, the gel, the hydration, and then in between the bars. Yeah. Yep. So there's one packet for each day.
1: Oh, it's so good.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a lot of, you've tried all the different products. Do you have a favorite?
0: My favorite is, my ultimate favorite is, is actually the, the watermelon hydration. Yeah. Interesting. And the 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 sticks. And so sometimes oh and the and the UCAN snack bars. So I actually use UCAN if I know I'm gonna have a, a long work day. And like it was one time I just had back to back meetings and I, I just I couldn't go out to get something to eat. And I was like, I have the UCAN. And like since then I pack it for snacks.
2: That's awesome.
1: My favorite experience that I've had that I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear is like you get to the afternoon, right? Working, working out, whatever, right? But you get that afternoon lull. The craziest experience that I had, this is, and this is just like outside of being an athlete, just, you know, everyday dad working dad, right? I'm just sitting there going, man, I I would need something like a, you know, sometimes you people rely on coffee or Red Bull or something to pick you up, right? But that stuff doesn't really right. have the pick me up that you need. I started taking the UCAN bars in the afternoons. I'm mm-hmm. sitting there going, Yep, nah, <laughs> this isn't really, is it really, do, is it giving me the thing that I'm looking for right now? Like, I yeah. go into the afternoon and e- evening all full of energy and I'm going, Are you serious? This is replacing coffee or? Yep. some other sports a, a energy drink. And it, it totally is. So I just want to point that out. It's crazy how, uh, how powerful it really is, <laughs> you know, in, in terms of that energy that you're looking for, it actually does it.
0: Exactly. And, and sometimes when I get it, you know, my, my husband, he's like, Oh, let me get some Nope, because I ration <laughs> it specifically. <laughs> right. You're not going to share. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> it's, it's, it's rashes very, very typically. Like this is my workout. This is my weight workout. This is, you know, I, and I love the fact how, you know, even with like um, the pre-workout fuel, the one with the protein is like what I would use if I know I'm going to work out in the gym. So do my weight training workout. Mm-hmm. So again, I, I feel like it's, it was thoughtful when they designed like they Definitely designed it with an an athlete in mind.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, for sharing your story, for sharing your tips on using UCAN and for sharing the work you're doing in the community. It's been a real pleasure. And I'm so glad we got to speak with you.
0: Thank you, Brian. And thank you, John, as well. This was this was a dope conversation. D to the O to the P to the E. <laughs> hey, I love
1: it. No, I love it. Thank
2: we're,
1: we're going to be jazzed on this one for a while, Marlena. You take care, keep up the good work. And please, please uh, uh, stay in
2: touch.
0: we Will do. Thank you and enjoy the rest of your day.
2: Too. You too. Bye. All right, John, we just got off the phone with Moylena Wallace. And I mean, what an amazing person, huh? Yeah, I, I was just telling her, and I had to say, man, this is something about
1: her energy. I'm sure it's going to come across really well throughout the entire conversation, or it does come across really well, I should say, throughout the entire conversation. But that was just super cool. I really enjoyed hearing about what she's doing with equity design. It's kind of mind blowing how much one person really can do with the kind of initiative that she's taken out there
2: in the Bronx. I agree with that a hundred percent. I'm always reminded by this quote that when you look around, always remember that everything you see around you in the world was built by someone when you ever oh. you feel like you can't make a difference, and then you look around and be like actually somebody had to initiate all of this stuff, right? And that can be you too. And she's decided to tackle this really deep systemic challenge of helping underserved communities incorporate fitness into their lives. And it's really challenging, but I think she's got a really novel way she's doing it. And I guess what I want to say is that The thread that I gathered from her was that she had her situation and then she had her goals and she's developed a mindset and a personality almost in some sense where she's always focused on figuring out how to get to where she wants to be from where she is today, right? Yeah. And accepting the circumstances, but not not accepting that they... Are final, that she, can, so that she can manipulate them and she can control them and she can make decisions that get her where she wants to go. And she's taking that mindset into the community in a sense, right? And she's like, this is where you're at right now. And this is the, the world we have to live in, but there's so much more you can do. Yeah. And it's funny, but that's her
1: life story as well. Exactly. So she's turned that into a that's business. It.
2: <laughs> and, yeah, and, that's and, it. it. Yeah. Yeah. It's her, right? She, her business is her just targeted at a specific area, a specific community.
1: Yeah, I think that's the thing that was jumping out at me. I just kept hearing about her childhood. And I kind of wanted her to say it, and she did. I'm like, so wh- why are you so goal-oriented? Where did that come from? How come goals drive you? And it's, she had things that she wanted, and so that's a goal. And she knew she wanted to travel with the track team, so they sold candy to be able to raise money <laughs> to cover the cost for traveling. And and there's examples of that kind of attitude throughout her entire journey. And now she's applying the lessons she's learned from proving a concept of take what you have around you and turn it into something. And now she's doing that with equity design where they may think they don't have enough to get healthy, to overcome the wealth and health gap in their community. But these underserved communities, these schools, there is a way to do it. And they're showing them in a very systematic way, a very holistic way how to do that. But it all stems from what she experienced in her own life journey. And I guess that goes to show you that what you're going through in life has a purpose, it has a place, and it can be used for
3: good.
2: Well, and this is this is something that resonates with me. Like the strategies or the frameworks of what you do to achieve success in one area can often give you important lessons that can be applied to other areas too. It's like the the path to success often has very similar core principles that if you follow them they're going to they're going to lead you straight right and so it seems like she had her athletic experiences and instead of just assuming that those experiences are isolated to athletics she's taking the same mindset and applying them to solving other problems and it's going to work there's nothing different about trying to be successful as an athlete and trying to be successful in your career like the, the specific activities you're doing are different, but the approach doesn't have to be that different. Yeah. Or achieving goals. Right.
1: I mean, exactly. saying I have a goal for myself, so I know I have something to work towards. And then I had to break down how I'm going to actually achieve that goal. And she used the example of, you know, racing a 400 meters or racing the mile or doing some kind of an event. Right. Well, you have to break down the approach to successfully do that. And yeah. why is fixing a community's issues with regards to health and and wealth any different why does it have to be any different and that's the question she's begging with with the work that she's doing she's like well of course you can approach this as a a different problem in the same way you know have the goal the the outcome in mind come up with a framework in which to address it and then work through that framework to address that problem and make adjustments and that's what she's doing and it's working she's changing minds she's giving people this new perspective on what's actually possible and a situation that for them only looked one way and now she's changing it and again i think it's really inspiring
2: you know the last thing that that stood out to me it's a she didn't mention it but it's something that I, i was thinking about and there's a big difference between wanting for something and deciding to have something Mm -hmm. And when your goal resonates with you to the point that you've like decided that you're going to achieve that goal, it changes your behavior, right? Wanting it, you can always, you can not do anything and still want something. But if you've decided to have something, then you're going to change your behavior to achieve it. And whether that's getting up at five o'clock in the morning to practice, or whether that's, you know, starting a company and going into the community and building the relationships and the programs that you need to do. She's somebody who at different points in her life has decided that she's going to be a particular person in the world. And what you see is that her actions follow it, right? And it just stands out to me as, as you know, there's a lot of people who it's easy to, when you speak to them, they have all, a lot of things that they, that they want. But there's a big difference between deciding that it's the thing you're going to pursue and that you can
1: do it. Right. It's a shift in mindset, you know. It is. Because those are two different yeah. types of mindsets: the wanting mm. mindset and the in the deciding or decision making mindset, where I'm just going to yeah. make the decision and move forward. Um, and once you make Absolutely. the decision, you're committed. You know,
2: exactly. That's it. The commitment. Yeah. And she embodies that to me. That's so. I, I was just thinking about these, like these through lines. You know, like the the fact that her work today is is just an extension of who she is as a person, as a problem solver, as a a goal minded person. But I think also this. Commitment that she shows, I think, is really powerful. So, yeah, uh, anyway, those are, those are my top level thoughts. I, I'm really uh, jazzed about the conversation. I really enjoyed speaking with her. Yep. I hope you guys get a lot out of it. Hope everybody's inspired to
1: realize that there's so much more possible in our lives and, and we should try to find something to work towards. I think that was one of the big yeah. themes in the conversation having something outside of the day to day grind that we all go through, outside of that really helps us do what we do every day a lot better. And and also it can help us to grow when we have these things outside of the day-to-day grind. So hopefully everybody can find something like that and keep growing because that's uh, what life is all about.
2: Absolutely. And for everybody listening, please leave us a rating and review. We never asked for this, but honestly, it does make a big difference. And if you're still listening and you love the podcast, leave us a rating and review, tell a friend, and we can't wait to share our next conversation with you. Thanks again.